Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest today. This is John Fall, and he is a DevOps mercenary. So John, thank you so much for being on the, on the show today. What would you like the audience to know about what it is that you do? So what I do is I go into uh, different companies and I uh, evaluate what they have in their, their tech stack. I can help them with migration products. I can help them with migration strategies, cloud automation, infrastructure as code. I can help them secure their environment and I can help train their, you know, hire and train their team on the way out also. I don't really advertise that I only do certain types of tech stacks or only use certain tools. I kind of go in and do whatever is necessary to solve their problems. Fantastic. And that's kind of where the mercenary part comes in, huh? Being able to solve the problem. Exactly. That's great. All right, John, let's jump to our questions then. Our first question, share a time when you had a conflict with a coworker or maybe a colleague and how you resolved it. So I worked with this one uh, colleague who uh, was another engineer. And when we were offline outside of meetings, we would talk through solving problems and we'd, we'd get to a, you know, a common place. And anytime we were in meetings, he would always go against me or he would always make it difficult to come to any sort of resolution. And he would even fan the flames when others would uh, dissent against me. And it's not that I don't mind recourse and you know, discussing things, but he made it such a point of it. And I tried confronting him offline and talking to him about it after it happened for the 15th time. And uh, it didn't really help. And uh, I even found out from a, a, another colleague that he did this on purpose just because he thought it was funny. So the way I solved this is I actually championed him. So when we were in meetings, I would always praise him. I would, I would call out his ideas and say, that's the way we should do it. And I even helped him get promoted into the position he still has today there, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it is. Um, and that cooled the whole problem for the next year. So the last year I was there, it solved that problem, never had it again. Now I'm sure when I left, uh, I'm sure he thought everything was fine. I mean, I still was not a fan of him, but it, it made it to where I could get my job done and the team could get their job done. Uh, and we could all just move on instead of having to deal with that dissension in the ranks. Wow, that's a really impressive story and how you handled it. Thank you for sharing it. And kudos and hats off to you for handling it the way you did, kind of that uh, killing him with kindness kind of, <laughs> kind of an approach. But uh, wow, that's impressive. But thank you for sharing that story. Sure. Well, question number two, John, I'm sure that you've heard the phrase, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. What's one thing that a manager or other leader can do to help retain their talent longer? I wish we had hours to talk about this one question because uh, there's lots of things I firmly believe could happen. But if I have to pick one thing, I would say to give uh, their people more agency. So the problem nowadays is uh, it is common to job hop. It's often in employees' best interest to job hop because they might get a zero to 3% uh, pay bump each year, but a 10% to 20% on a pay switch, on, on, a, on a job switch. So how do you incentivize someone to stay? Well, if you give them more skin in the game on what they're, what they're doing, how they're solving the problem, how they can work, whether it be remote work or flex time or you know, working abroad, um, 
And then when it comes down to actually solving the problems, you know, giving them these, these are what our customers need, or these are the goals we have to hit. How do we solve it? How do you think we can solve it? Giving them a lot of buy-in on what they're doing is not only going to increase their happiness, but it, since it's giving them agency, it's going to make them feel like they belong more than just owning stock options. And I think that's one of the few things nowadays to actually retain talent is to give them a lot of agency, make them feel like they're part of the org, not just part of the org chart. That's a really great insight. And I, you hit on a lot of good points really succinctly. So those are great responses. You really touched on basic principles of engagement, helping people to feel that buy-in and giving them that agency and that flexibility to make some decisions and have some input. Great comments. Thank you. Question number three, how, or what's one idea on how a team can build resilience? So I, I'm going to use a software uh, term, but I think this could apply to any team, honestly, and that's called pairing. So in the, in the software field, uh, if you have a couple of developers or engineers that are pair programming, they're, they're working on the same task together, often side by side, or they're sharing the same terminal or whatever it is. And um, there's a lot of misconceptions that go into this, that if two people are working on one task, you're getting 50% of the productivity or basically having paying two people to do one job. But it actually is proven that it's, it's the other way around. Generally, two people do one job much better. You have one person that can catch another person's mistakes. You have two people talking through a problem together. You get a better result ultimately. And plus you're cross-pollinating. Two people now understand whatever they've worked on. Oftentimes people uh, leave companies and they did a whole bunch of things that nobody else knows. And now it leaves a great vacuum in the company, whether it's in accounting or in software or mechanical engineering or whatever it could be. And uh, oftentimes managers don't wanna put more than person on, one person on a task because, or they put the one person they know that it will get it done the best way. But when that person leaves, suddenly now it's a big problem. I've had three times in my career where I walked in and the person who knew all the stuff that I'm supposed to do left mm -hmm. three times. One person worked there for 40 years at that job. When I walked in, all that was left for me was an entire office full of boxes of screenshots from technology <laughs> for the last 30 years. And uh, who knows what was relevant, what wasn't relevant. And I had to, I had to uncover that dinosaur to figure out how to do everything. So um, I will say to a compliment pairing, that documentation and diagramming is often the unsung hero, and it's always the, the prioritize it for later task. We'll get to that later. Now, obviously, documentation is always as up to date as it's always out of date the moment you make it. But if it's part of the process where when things change, the documentation changes, it just becomes part of the loop of quality and being able to transfer knowledge so that you don't have tribal knowledge walking out the door. You know, you have artifacts left behind or people that have worked with other people that that understand processes, procedures and everything else like that. So I think pairing is one of the most critical things, coupled with documentation and diagramming. That's really interesting. It's, it's a new way to look at uh, resilience and then protection for the company as well is to pair up. I like that concept a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Very good. All right. Question number four. Is there someone that you would like to recognize that has had some positive influence in your life? So one of the greatest and most fearsome leaders that I worked for was uh, my Intel commander in the Navy. And um, there was a time where I, I screwed up and it wasn't a real big deal, but I was probably 19. And for anybody listening that was enlisted, 
most enlisted people know that generally you screw up and you get slammed pretty hard and it can be career limiting and you know everything else. Um, but he chose to not go that route. He stuck his neck out for me. He uh, took responsibility and he showed me what it is to have integrity. And, um, you know, it ended up being nothing. It completely fizzled out, but he could have had me slammed. I could have been destroyed in the process. And I learned what good leadership looks like on that day. And I know for a fact, if he wouldn't have done that, it would have completely changed the trajectory of my career. 100% am, am certain of that. I learned so many good uh, traits and skills from him. He had some negative ones as well. Uh, he was very much, uh, you know, took care of his, his good people really well and destroyed the other people. Uh, but the, the things I did learn were extremely valuable. That's a really good insight. And I appreciate you sharing that and recognizing him for the positive parts there, because that is a challenge for leaders to acknowledge when people make a mistake and not destroy them, but uh, to build them up and use it as a learning opportunity and give them some space to grow and to, to recover from that. Because boy, that's a, that can be a killer for people if they're trying to, to do their best and they make a mistake and then it's uh, exploited or taken advantage of, but thank you for sharing that. All sure. right, John, or, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, when I, when I first went in the military, not to go off on this, but uh, I used to hear the old stories where people get in trouble all the time and it wasn't a big deal. People still went up in rank. And by the time I went into the Navy, it had become a faultless Navy where if you made a mistake, it basically haunted you your whole career. Now, the thing is, is it worked out for me. I only did my four years. It's not like I stayed in for a career, but it still affected my whole life. Still, you know, seeing how things could have played out and how they did play out gave me perspective whenever I'm working for somebody or somebody's working for me on, on, you know, you know, really it boils down to integrity, but how good leadership looks and how sometimes you have to also be willing to sacrifice yourself to do the right thing. Again, great comments. And it, it kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about before we started the recording about how a lot of these leadership principles transcend the industry. They're, they're universal principles, whether you're in the Navy or whether you're in software or anything else for that matter. And so really great comments about how important it is to lead effectively. Love that. All right, John, our last question. Tell us a little bit about your first job. Well, I worked at Pizza Hut for just a few months, uh, but my more interesting job was was my time in the Navy. I, I was an intel specialist. I got to learn about um, all kinds of red forces, you know, um, foreign foreign assets and missile systems, and uh, you know, submarines. I got to learn the difference between an Oscar submarine and an Akula submarine, and how ge geopolitical activities can be tracked and reported on. And I learned about all kinds of things that I really can't talk about, but it was still really cool. And um, it was a neat job. Um, I, I only did those four years in Intel, uh, but I, I remember them very, very vividly because it was such a cool job. I got to see the world too. I, I did two cruises uh, in, on an aircraft carrier, so. Nice. So yeah, you literally did get to see the world then. Yes. Well, that's fantastic. And thank you for your service to our country. I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, John, thank you again for being on the show today. How can people find you? So uh, you can find my consulting page at um, https colon whack whack darkwriterconsulting.com or just johnfall.com. It will also get you to my page. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime there. I also do coaching for um, 
VP of engineering CTO level. I, that's on the side of my DevOps consulting. I do, you know, engineering leadership coaching. Sometimes it's good to have a rubber duck or someone that's been through some trenches and some difficult migration processes. So I'm always available to talk. Fantastic. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, we encourage you to go to teamengagementpodcast.com. And we also invite you to subscribe or follow the podcast, whether it's the audio version or the video version. We'd love to have you follow along every week. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a great day.